We're so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful for all that has been done for us. And Lord, for the wonderful opportunity to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, we reference your presence today. We recognize you. We recognize you as the one who has set it up, Lord. Set it up for us so that we could have everlasting life. So that we could have peace. So that we could have joy. And Lord, not just so that we ourselves could have it, but that we could tell others about it and bring them into the same joy and peace that we've experienced ourselves. So Father, today, we lift up Jesus in this place. We honor and reverence the Holy Spirit in His presence. And we take this time to set it aside for you and for your purpose to do what you want to do and say what you want to say and get done what you want to get done. We're open to you, Lord. We're open to you. And we say, whatever you desire, Lord, do in us today. Lord, we trust you. We may not say that to others, because we don't trust other people. But Lord, when we're laying ourselves before you, we can say with absolute trust and absolute certainty, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever needs to be done. We surrender to you, because you're trustworthy. You're a God who keeps covenant. Trust in you won't ever bite us. Trust in you won't ever come back to bite us or cause us to regret. No regrets when we trust you. No regrets when we put our faith in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God forever. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God forever. Yeah, I think that's a good word for somebody today. So before you take your seat, Find somebody and say, no regrets for putting trust in God. Hallelujah. Good morning, Faith Christian Center. Good morning. Good morning. If you're here in person, welcome. And good morning and welcome to you that are online with us right now. Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. No fear and freedom in him. Hallelujah. Just a few announcements. Our holiday service schedule is as follows. On December 24th, that's our Chris, on Christmas Eve, we will have a Christmas Eve service. And it will be at 5 p.m. that Sunday evening or afternoon. Also on December 27th, that Wednesday, there will be no meetings, no small groups, and no Bible study. On December 31st, that's Sunday, uh, we will have service at 9.30 a.m., and just remember, both services are on the 24th, the, both services on the 24th and the 31st will be a family type service. So what that means is that there will be no children's ministry running at that particular time. Amen. Um, and just keep in mind that on December 31st, we're going to have a surprise on December 31st. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, it's that time of the year, and we are running our annual Christmas drive. Uh, we will collect unwrapped toys and different items uh, for families in need. And this will be their benefit and be a blessing to those that are participate in 10 uh, Providence Rescue Mission, as well as Hope for Jesus Prison Ministry. Hallelujah. We just want to bless those families. And we know that as we give and participate in giving, then we'll be blessed in time. It's always in return. It's always a blessing to give. And I just reflect on sometimes when you give, when you love on folks, then God blesses you with that joy. He blesses you with that peace. So uh, be a willing giver. Uh, bring in your unwrap toys and different items uh, to support and bless these families during this time. It's going to be ongoing. It is ongoing right up until December 10th. So make sure you ready yourselves and go out, do your shopping, pick up different items, things that you might already have purchased, bring them on in into the sanctuary. There are bins in the foyer for you to place the items in there. Hallelujah. This is just a reminder also that we have our building fund. It is up. Our campaign is running. Pastor Chris spoke about it. And it is ongoing right until the fall of next year. All right. So thank you for all of those who have already given. Those who are just continuing to give. You're making your pledge. You're doing your whatever allowment, weekly, monthly allowment. Uh, and thank those who are coming on, who are coming on. And we just ask that God will place the amount that's in your heart to give and be a part of this. You know that. The, it'll be uh, for the maintenance of the building. We've had different issues, and we want to bless uh, this building. We don't want God's house to go into ruins. All right, so you want to be a part of that building fund. 60% will go toward maintenance, and then another 40% will go toward improvements around this campus. And God has blessed us here, and we're just being faithful and just believing that he's going to supply every need and that as you give, you'll be a part of that blessing. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also on next year, January the 28th, our friend John Waller and his daughter Sophie will be here on that Sunday. This is a great opportunity for you to invite friends and families, but it's not going to be just a concert by John Waller. It is also going to be singing and a spoken word, a time of sharing by the two of them. Uh, as I said before, John has been a friend, a friend of FCC for a long, long time. Uh, he's always been a blessing. So you don't want to miss it. That is January the 28th. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. It is tithe and offering time. Hallelujah. Tithe and offering. Yeah, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a blessing to give and be a part of that. We plant, we bring a return. He's blessed us and we bring a return. We give our offerings and we're thankful and we plant the seed of what he's going to do for us in the future. Hallelujah. And for our friends and salvation. Hallelujah. So here at Faith Christian Center, there's a number of ways that you can give. You can give on the app. You can give by texting. Uh, you can also give online. 
and you can give in person. Just place your offering in the envelope and place it in a basket at the rear of the sanctuary. You can also mail uh, or either uh, just put us on a regular, put the church on a regular bill pay. Just like when you go and pay your bills, just pay your tithes and your offerings. Hallelujah. Can you just stand with me? And let us say together and speak together and declare our giving confession. Lord, we come before you today with our tithes and offerings. We bring these to you, acknowledging that you are the source of everything in our lives and that everything you have entrusted to us as stewards of your kingdom. Therefore, we sow these finances into your kingdom to see the gospel spread and your kingdom advance in our region, our nation, and our world. We believe that as we give all of the needs of Faith Christian Center and of our own households, yes, in abundance. We believe that these things will surely come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Nice to be in the house today. Nice to see Christmas lights in the house. Someone say it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. It's a beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, I heard a good one the other day. You want to hear it? Yeah, it might make you groan, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. It was a, a little something about Rudolph and the reason why he had to go to summer school. So Rudolph had to go to summer school. Do you know why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because he went down in history. Oh, Lord. So someone don't know whether to laugh, smile, or say stone him. But, but uh, uh, what a joy to be able to celebrate the Christmas season together because Christmas is all about Jesus. You know, the presents you get, you just get to get in on it, you know. You, you, you get to get in on his birthday. But this is Jesus we're celebrating, Amen. And uh, what a blessing to be able to have such a festive atmosphere in the house. We appreciate all of those. Uh, uh, Claudia and uh, Barbara Ring, uh, I, I know you're out there somewhere. Uh, and uh, all the people that participated in helping to uh, decorate. Cindy, I know you were in on that. Uh, and uh, let's see, Kathy, there you are. You were in on that. And if I missed anybody, you too. But all, all of the people that were... Uh, involved in that uh, among our staff and also volunteers. We're really grateful for that. A great look in the house, and we thank God. Amen. Well, y'all ready for some word today? Well, let's dig in. You know, what's interesting is that uh, a lot of times uh, we have emphasized the last words that Jesus has said, and with good reason, because Jesus always uh, uh, 
And, and his last words, as we see through the gospel, emphasize the importance to go and make disciples, to go and preach the gospel to every creature, to go and tell everybody about what he told his disciples. And so we, we don't in any way underestimate the last words that he spoke. But today we're going to go ahead and take a little different look. We're going to take a look at some of the first words that Jesus spoke. Someone say first words. You know, it's interesting over the Gospel of John, chapter 1, um, we see uh, uh, John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And two guys that were John's disciples started following Jesus. And Jesus really looks around at them and says, Hey, what, what you guys looking at? What, what, what are you doing? What are you looking for? What, what, what are you seeking? And uh, uh, they, they said, Master, where are you staying today? And Jesus said to them, come and see. There's something about those words, come and see, that just ring a bell in my spirit. Because Jesus is still saying, come and see. To people that might be just kind of hanging out or sniffing around and wanting to check out this teacher and see what he's got to say, see who he is, learn more about him. You know what he's saying? He's saying, come and see. Hey. You know, Matthew uh, chapter 4 uh, where we get to see some of the words that Jesus first spoke there in that context. Uh, start with verse 17. It says, from, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. So what do you see here? Well, you see the word repent, which means if you're going this way, you stop, you turn around, and you start going the other way. Repent, for in the most simplest term, is to make a U-turn. Oh, yes, somebody. You make a U-turn. You don't go the way you were going anymore. You turn and you go the other way. Hallelujah. So he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus was letting everybody under the sound of his voice know when he showed up that the kingdom showed up when the king showed up. Come on now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it, of course, we, we know well his words that he spoke when he uh, uh called his apostles and said the words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That tells us something that right from the start that Jesus was putting out the idea of not just that this was going to go ahead and stop with you, but in the same way that I'm telling you to follow me, you're going to go ahead and have some others that can follow you as you follow me. That this was not going to go ahead and be one and done and end here. But no, this is going to be perpetrated continually uh, uh, throughout the ages. That, that there's always going to be somebody that say, I'm following Jesus. If you don't know about him, come and follow me as I follow him. And I'll tell you all about him. You know, there's something about that. I, I love the, uh, the, the wording of a verse in 2 Timothy where, where Paul said this that the, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses commit to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. And the significance of that verse, if I can break it down for you, is you've got four spiritual generations in one verse. You got Paul who taught Timothy. You got Timothy who found faithful men to teach. And those faithful men went and taught others also. So right when, when that one little verse, you've got four spiritual generations. You are intended to multiply. You are intended not to be barren, but to have spiritual kids, people that you bring into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Don't go to heaven empty, somebody. Don't go to heaven empty. Go with people that you have brought the good news to yourself. Be a fisher of men. Let's take a look at uh, Mark's account of the first words that Jesus spoke. We see some similarities, but we also see some things that are just hit from a little different angle. Mark 1.14 says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, that term, the time is fulfilled, looking that up in several other Bible translations, it reads like this. Uh, The time has come at last. Another translation said the time is ripe. Another one just broke it down as simple as this. It's time. Someone say, "It's it's time. So when Jesus showed up, one of the first things that he went about doing was telling everybody what time it was. It's time. Time for what? Time for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was at hand, and this was supposed to be followed up with action. Repent, which we already talked about, and believe in the gospel. Woo! What is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. Jesus, when he came, he brought good news. Now, this Believe in the gospel. This means you talk like it's true, live like it's true. Everything you do is a reflection of the fact that you don't just believe, but you are, shall we say, you actively believe, not passively believe. There's too much passive believing, which is really not believing at all, because real believing always has action to it. That's why James said in his epistle, that faith without works or corresponding actions is dead. Amen. So, so we're, we're not just those who, who feed on the word. Give me the milk of the word. Give me the weed of the word. But there's also spiritual exercise that God expects to be part of the program as well. Just like in the natural, it's not all about eating. It's about eating and exercising. Lord, what time of year is it, somebody? <laughs> Who dare put those pies on the table? Come on. But, but it's eating and exercising. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. Yet you're eating. You're taking the word into you, the milk of the word, the meat of the word. You are feeding on the word. Jesus said it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But you also are supposed to exercise the word, and you do that by being a doer of it. So don't just sit there and say, I believe exercise your faith. Be a doer of the word. Someone say exercise. Exercise. Yeah, because some people, the only exercise they get is running their mouth and jumping to conclusions. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
Well, well, well. But don't just run your mouth and go use your mouth, use your mouth for a positive purpose. Speak the word. Speak the word to the circumstances in your life. Speak the word to the enemy that's messing with you and trying to mess with your kids. Speak the word. Hallelujah. Be a person who doesn't just say, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. But be a person who is an active doer of the word you say you believe. Amen. Now, can we go a little further? Luke chapter 4. And this is where I want to really camp out on these thoughts here. So we see Jesus talking about repenting. Jesus introducing the kingdom of God, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's near. Uh, He says, believe in the gospel. And we recognize that as not a uh, a passive thing, but, but a very big action in our life, that when we believe in the gospel, we're doing the gospel. We're not, it's not just okay to say, yeah, oh, that's good, good word, praise the Lord, Jesus preached that. No, Jesus said, no, no, it's not about just doing that. It's about acting on it as well. But Luke 14, let's take a, a, a look at uh, Luke's account of the very first words that Jesus said, and that's where we're going to camp out today. Luke 4, start with verse 14. It says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, now, what happened? Jesus was at the Jordan River where he got baptized. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And God the Father affirmed him by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus there when he was water baptized. And then it said that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he was tempted, glory to God, and he beat every test. But then... This is picking up after the temptation of Jesus. And so you see the the, uh, Holy Spirit's involvement when Jesus was baptized. He descended upon him. You see the Spirit leading him into the wilderness to go ahead and deal with that test that he had to deal with and to defeat the enemy who was coming against him to try to tempt him and to really thwart the plan that God had. But the plan did not get thwarted. The plan succeeded. Hallelujah. And now, once again, the Spirit's involvement, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, And stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight 
to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so if we got a title for you today, and I got one for you, it would be this, the anointed one. The anointed one. Here in the Gospel of Luke, the first words recorded that Jesus spoke were this. And I'm talking not what he said uh, when uh, his parents found him in the temple at 12 years old. We're talking about the first words spoken by Jesus after he started his ministry. And where did he start his ministry? Like we said, that started in uh, when, when he was baptized in water in the Jordan River and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. That is when Jesus started his ministry. And what's the first thing he said in the Gospel of Luke? He says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he starts listing the things that he's anointed to do. And it's interesting, if we go on reading, uh, in verse 22, you, you see that, that they were wondering at the gracious words that he said. Uh, some other translations of that would read, the, the, they were wondering at the words of grace that he spoke, or they were wondering at the words of favor that he spoke. So that they considered these words, words of grace and words of of favor. But of course, if we kept on reading, you would see that, that despite the fact that they had grace and favor right there in their presence, they were still upset about it because they thought, we know your daddy. We know your mama. We saw you grow up. And now you're saying this? Who do you think you are? And look out for that because Familiarity can stop a flow of God in your life faster than just about anything else. Because familiarity can cut off the flow because you think, you mean I'm going to go ahead and get a flow of something I need from God through him or through her? I know then. You know, some of you have been around for a while and might say, well, I changed your diaper once, you know. So sometimes the, the idea of uh, uh, familiarity can, can block and hinder. As a matter of fact, in other cases where, where, where this happened, familiarity blocked the flow of this anointing to the point where even though Jesus wanted to, he could there in this, his hometown, do no mighty, no, no mighty works except laid his hands on a few people. But the mass healing and miracle crusade that Jesus was used to having did not happen in his hometown. Why? Because of people who, for the sake of familiarity, did not allow that flow that God wanted to flow, that oil, uh, anointing oil that was on Jesus 
that, that he wanted to flow to those people and minister to them and heal them and so that they could receive from him, but they could not receive from him because they did not receive him. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said there in his hometown, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I want you to know that the message of Jesus is a now message. Remember in the other gospel, it said, it's time. The time is here. The time's at hand. The time is fulfilled. And now he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, and not just the ministry of Jesus back then when he was on earth, but what the ministry of Jesus continues to be till this very day, it is not uh, sometime later maybe. It is not something that's pushed off to another time. No, the message of Jesus is a now message. The message of Jesus, the Christ, is a now message. That's why he said, Today, in your hearing, while you're sitting in your chairs in the synagogue, the scriptures fulfilled because I am the one who the spirit of the Lord is upon. I'm the one who is anointed and this is what I'm here to do. Hallelujah. Now in the Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament being written in Hebrew, you see uh, uh, references to God talking about my anointed. And uh, that is the word uh, from which we get Messiah, Mashiach. I'm working on my Hebrew, so if I'm not getting every just right, y'all forgive me. But, but, but Jesus is the Messiah. That's the Hebrew word. But in the Greek language and the New Testament written in Greek, that word is Christ. So it's not Jesus' last name. It's actually a description of who Jesus is and what he's called to do. So uh, you can look at several verses uh, in the Old Testament that refer to the anointed, and you'll see that same verse quoted in the New Testament, and it, uh, rather than using the term anointed, it'll use the word Christ. For instance, uh, uh, the rulers have taken counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed over in Psalm 2. But then when it's quoted in Acts 4, it said that the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ. So the word Christ is the word, uh, it, it means anointed. So when we see Jesus Christ, we see Jesus anointed. When you see Christ Jesus, we see the anointed Jesus. When they went and preached Christ, they were preaching the, uh, the anointed one. That the anointed one had come, the anointed one had showed up, and there in his hometown for, for all intents and purposes, what you see is Jesus showing up and saying, hey, I'm Jesus and I'm anointed, here I am, let's go. Hallelujah. Now, what does all that mean? Well, we're going to skip over Luke 2 for right now. And uh, I want you to go to go ahead and uh, look at Acts 10. 
And uh, this is going to give us a little more of a picture because even prior to Jesus speaking in his hometown, it said that he was traveling through other synagogues. Remember that? It didn't tell us in Luke what he was saying, but it tells us that that he was going about teaching in their synagogues. And and, uh, then he comes to Nazareth, and as his custom was, he did the same thing there too. So Jesus had a custom and a routine of going and teaching in the synagogues. We see what he said in Nazareth in his hometown, but we're going to go ahead and get, get a clue here in Acts chapter 10 of what that message was that was going around, what that word was that he was teaching in the other places he went to as well. Acts chapter 10, starting with verse 34, and uh, this is Peter in an Italian man's house. So this is Cornelius, the centurion. Actually, uh, I, uh, I, I need to check that. He might have even had a greater rank than that. He may have had centurions under him. But, uh, 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 but Cornelius, uh, in his house in verse 34, uh, Peter was invited there, told by the Holy Spirit to go. But then Cornelius had also sent men to there and said, come on over. And so this is a Jewish man going over to the house of those pork chop eating Gentiles. Come on now. <laughs> so a little controversy in the early church. God don't mind controversy, especially when it's into breaking down walls. Some walls need to be broken down. Hey, now. A little controversy and doing something in the way that, well, we've not done it like this before. Where the Lord says, it's about time we did. But Jesus didn't just die for the Jews. Jesus died for everybody. Hallelujah. And thank God the Jews Jews got the blessing and the benefit of it first. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But thank God for those who are outside the covenant of Israel. He didn't forget them either. Amen. Now, verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus the anointed, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea. That's interesting. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea. Judea. Some other renderings of that said the same message which was proclaimed throughout all Judea or the message that has spread throughout all Judea, the news which was published throughout all Judea or the story that has gone all over Judea. And it began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. What word is that? What message is that? Do you want to know? Acts 10, 38. Let's see how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. The word that was spreading all over Judea starting in Galilee 
after the baptism that John preached, as this is described, what word was it? What message was it? It was the message that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Somebody needs to know that that healing is, is not for those who've been blessed by God with sickness. Ain't no such thing. Sickness is not a blessing. And we need to settle some things once and for all because of old, stinking, religious thinking. Ain't nothing good about being sick and about being down and about being without. Ain't nothing good about it. Say, well, well, it might be a, a blessing in disguise. No, no, it's just a curse. A blessing is a blessing and a curse is a curse. No such thing as a blessing being a curse in disguise or vice versa. Come on now. So, uh, we, we see this here that Jesus being anointed and healing all that were oppressed of the devil and that's the purpose for which he was anointed so that he could deliver those who were oppressed of the devil. That was the message that went out. That was the word that was out on the street. That's what was being said about Jesus. That's what Jesus went around telling people about himself. As we read Luke chapter 4. Now, we know he's anointed, but what's he anointed to do? Can we take these things and break them down? And as a matter of fact, we're going to do this. We're going to look in... uh, Isaiah chapter 61, which is the chapter that Jesus was reading from when he was reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He was reading from Isaiah 61, and there's even some part in there that Jesus did not read, at least in what's recorded in Luke. And we're going to look at that one extra verse as well. So Isaiah 61, we'll start there. Verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to do what? Preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So let's go ahead and break this down. What was Jesus anointed to do? Well, first of all, he was anointed to preach good news to the poor. What's that mean? Well, that's not talking about financially poor. It's talking about those who are, uh, shall we say, uh, as Jesus used the term in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, poor in spirit, meek, humble. In other words, those who know they need what Jesus is offering, they need what Jesus is saying. Because you can have some hot shots that say, oh yeah, I'm good, I don't need that. But then you got those that say, oh Lord, I need everything you got. The, the, the real aspect of being poor in spirit and humble in spirit is when you realize 
Ain't no way that I can do this. I can't even take my next breath without you. I need what you've got. It's the recognition of the absolute utter dependence upon him that you cannot go without what he's offering you. Hallelujah. And so he's preaching good news to the people that know they need it. It's good news to everybody, but don't be a hot shot and say, oh, yeah, I'm good. I, I got it figured out my way. Yeah, I'm sure that's working out really well. Come on now. You come to heal the brokenhearted. That's what he's anointed to do. You've been brokenhearted before? Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus is anointed, equipped by the Spirit of God himself to heal brokenhearted people. And I'm not just talking about that girl you used to date when you were 17. Oh, Lord. And I'm not diminishing any pain in life, but there's a whole lot more brokenheartedness that people are dealing with than the fact that that Susie went with the other guy, you know, the football player, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Healing the brokenhearted. Whatever situation in life that has caused you to have a broken heart, Jesus is anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus is anointed to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He's anointed to proclaim it. That means he's anointed to say, hey, prisoners, you're free. Jesus is anointed to say, hey, prisoners, the door is open and you don't have to stay inside anymore. Jesus is anointed to tell us that of any captivity in our lives and anything we've been captive to. Jesus is anointed to come and to tell us you don't have to be captive to porn anymore. You don't have to be captive uh, to uh, uh, drug addiction or or, uh, any kind of uh, uh, alcoholism or any kind of substance abuse. You don't have to be addicted to anything. You don't have to be captive to anything. I've opened the prison door. You don't need to stay inside that jailhouse anymore. And along with that is recovery of sight to the blind. Hey, and I got to tell you, without any hesitation, I'll tell you that, yes, indeed, this is talking about Jesus opening physical eyes and people who are physically blind being able to physically see. Absolutely. But what else beyond that? How many of you have had your your vision hindered in in, in ways where where, where you would love to be able to see beyond your little box and see beyond your little square. And and it seems like your your vision has just been blocked because there's so much more that's out there, but you can only see this far. It's like when it comes to to, uh, uh, thinking about the the plan of God for you and, and the things that God wants to do with your life, you've got nearsightedness. You can only see what's close to you. 
You can't be able to envision something beyond the way that things have always been. But he has come to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Hallelujah. You know, Isaiah 10, 27, the bottom line of that verse says this, that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing oil. See that last line there? The yoke, that which was around the, the necks of oxen that restricted them. So they would just go in the row where they were supposed to go. And they couldn't go to the left or the right because they got this yoke around their neck. And it keep them in line so they could plow in a straight line. And the enemy has had yokes on our necks a lot of times in our life. Where we would look to break free from it, but oh, it's so restricting. You try to do something and it just pull you back in place. But the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing oil. And Jesus showed up and said, I am anointed. He has anointed me. And this is what he's anointed me to do. Another thing we see that Jesus was anointed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What on earth is that? Well, if you look uh, into uh, uh, the Old Testament, you will see something called the year of Jubilee. It's a time when people are returning to their possessions, returning to their family. As a matter of fact, a verse that describes it real well is Leviticus 25.10, a verse that actually shows up on the Liberty Bell. If you were to go to Philly today and take a look, you would see this verse. To proclaim liberty to the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. That has to do with the year of Jubilee. That has to do with this acceptable year of the Lord. It's the year of the Lord's pardon. It's the day when God will give you redress. It's the day when God will give you the remedy or the compensation for wrongs and grievances. Come on, somebody. Hey. It's the year when when God settles the accounts. Hey. The Amplified Classic says it like this. It's the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Come on now. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. That don't mean, as Pastor Johns used the the example before, the eyedropper in heaven where he's just going to go ahead and give you just a little bit. No, this is profusely abounding. That, that means he's pouring it on you. Hey, hey. He's really pouring it on you. It's the year when all debts are canceled and all slaves are released and God gives a fresh start. Every debt canceled, every slave released, God gives a fresh start. You want to know what this acceptable year of the Lord is? That's what it is. Now it goes on to say here in Isaiah 61, um, uh, it talks about proclaiming the day of God's vengeance. Now, when we think God's vengeance, we think uh, ultimately uh, how things are going to wrap up. 
when, when all the people that, that decide to fight against the Lord Jesus are going to go ahead and get what's coming to them and it ain't that good. And I'm not saying that's not a part of it because it clearly is. But it's interesting to see a verse in Isaiah that approaches God's vengeance in a way that much more clearly looks like Jesus' earthly ministry. Can we look at that? Isaiah 35. We'll start with verse 3. It says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He'll come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Interesting that when you take a look at this, you see that God's coming with vengeance. He's coming with, uh, uh, with, with the recompense of God. But, but what, what happens as a result? You see this, that his day of vengeance is a day of reversal. Things that were going one way start going the other way. Blind see. Deaf hear. Lame leap, and where there once was a desert, there is now a deluge. Glory to God. So we see that in this context, the vengeance of God is actually describing a reversal of things that were going one way, and now they're going another way. Glory to God, because your God has reversed the curse because Jesus himself was made a curse for you so that the blessing of Abraham could come on you through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What else do we see here? He's anointed to comfort and console those who mourn. Jesus so cares about those who are mourning. Mourning the, the, the loss of a loved one and physical death. Of course, mourning covers even other areas besides that. But Jesus is one who is so filled with care, so filled with compassion, and consoles and comforts those who mourn. No wonder our God is called the God of all comfort. Because he will get it to you in whatever way you need it, because he's the God of all comfort. You need comfort in one way, he knows how to get it to you. You need comfort from another angle because of another life experience. No matter where it's at, he's the God of all comfort, and no matter how you need it, he knows how to get it to you. He's anointed to offer the great exchange, of which we definitely get the better side of the deal. What am I talking about? In Isaiah 61, 3, where we were reading, it says we get beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Yes. Someone say, I want that deal. Yes. That means all the stuff that you get is the good stuff. And the stuff that you're giving up is stuff you were tired of having anyway. Hallelujah. The great exchange. He offers the opportunity to grow into all he's called you to be. 
It's interesting. This does not call you a, a sapling of righteousness. This calls you a tree of righteousness. As a matter of fact, there's many translations of this that use the word oaks of righteousness. God's saying that this is, this is some strong wood. This is, this is wood that you can build furniture with. Hey, this is solid wood. Glory to God. And his will for you is to be able to be full grown and meet full potential. You are a tree of righteousness. And bottom line of it all, he's anointed to ensure that God gets glorified because all of this stuff, all of this good stuff he's offering, woo, you know there ain't none of us that are smart enough to get that on our own. If we're going to have that stuff in our life, beauty for ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, the ability to see where we couldn't see before, where we once were in person, now we're out of jail. I wasn't smart enough to figure that out. It had to be God. He gets the glory. And as a, we're going to wrap up soon here, but I want you to go ahead and notice something else about what Jesus preached, what Jesus the anointed one preached. And we're going to go ahead and uh, be able to settle that today. But are you excited for this awesome list of things that Jesus is anointed to do? Do you think you need some of it? I'll raise both hands. Come on now. But I want you to see something that's going to fit right in here. We read it earlier, but we're going to read it again in this particular context. Acts 10, verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ the anointed. He is Lord of all. Now, peace, it's the Hebrew word shalom, but in the Greek language, it's the Greek word irene, and it means the obvious peace. Also means prosperity, quietness, rest, but it means this, being set at one again. Listen to me, somebody. Being set at one again. Now, I got to tell you, you look through that list there in Luke 4 or Isaiah 61, and what do you see? You see a whole list of Jesus doing things that take what was broken and what was in pieces and setting it at one again. Acts 10.36 in the message, I know, uh, I think we got that back there. Check this out. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone. But this is how it translates preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. That's what the anointing does. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus the anointed went around preaching. He preached peace. He was preaching the idea of being set at one again. Another word 
that we see in Scripture is be made whole, or the word wholeness. We see that this gospel is a gospel of peace. The Bible calls it that. Ephesians 6.15, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Romans 10.15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So Christ preached this gospel of peace, this gospel of being set at one again. Hallelujah. Let's skip over Ephesians 2. And as we wrap up today, I want to look at the far reach of this peace. How far does it go? (laughs) We know Jesus went preaching peace. Preaching being said at one again. We know that the gospel is called the gospel of peace. So you might call the gospel the gospel, the good news of being said at one again. The good news that you don't have to be broken anymore. You don't have to be broken uh, spiritually speaking. You don't have to be broken mentally and emotionally speaking. You don't have to be broken physically speaking. You don't have to be broken financially speaking. He has come to take you and to take what was broken and restore it to one again. That's the good news of peace, the gospel of peace. How far is this reach? Isaiah 9, prophetic scripture talking about Jesus, starting with verse 6. says, for unto us a child is born. Hey, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then the beginning, verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of putting things at one again. And there's no end to the increase of his government and of his peace. Well, you might say, well, that's great for Jesus. There's no end to the increase of his peace. What about me? What about you? What about us? Well, let's take a look at something. John 14 and verse 27 says this. Just Jesus speaking. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So we can put two and two together, right? All right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little math with these equations here. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And the scripture said that there's no end to the increase of his peace. So if there's no end 
to the increase of his peace. And the peace that we have is the same peace he had and that he gave us his very own peace. That tells me that if there's no end to the increase of his peace, then there is no end to the increase of our peace. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody might say, I feel a little Pentecostal at the moment. Yeah. This is good news. This is good news. He's anointed to preach good news. Of the increase of his peace, there's no end. His peace is yours. There's no end to your peace. As long as you're here on this journey, there's peace for you. As long as you need it, there's peace for you. Glory to God forever. You know, Paul said it like this in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, that now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Always in every way. Or as my wife likes to say it, always and in always. That means that whenever you need it, it's there. And in whatever area you need it, it's there. You need it in the middle of the night, it's there. You need it at 3 a.m., it's there. You need it at noontime, it's there. You need it when you're with your in-laws, it's there. Hey! And any way that you could possibly need it, it's there. Any way that you could possibly uh, uh, need to have it manifested in your life, whatever wholeness means at the moment, Whatever being said at one again means at the moment, it's there for you. That's the good news of peace. Now, all these good things that Jesus was anointed to do, he went around, you know, we we read the list, we went through the list, and we see him preaching peace, preaching being said at one again. But how do we know that Jesus is still anointed to do the same things today? Some people talk about something that's called cessationalism. That there's things that God used to do back in the Bible days that he don't do anymore. And I'm sure some of you have come across people that have said that, ministers that have said that. But how do you know? How can you know for sure? Well, the word has the answer. Hebrews, Jesus, the anointed. Oh, come on now. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the anointed, is the same. That means everything he's anointed to do is the same. That means all that's available to his anointing is the same. It's not hit a certain clock and been disqualified or say, oh, time's up. No more of that. Now you got to just suck it up and deal with it. No, the anointed one is the same. So therefore, everything that the anointed one was anointed to do is still the same and still available. Somebody give some praise to God today. Hallelujah.
So what we're going to do is we're going to do this today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You need something from him. Something that he's anointed to do. And you heard it today and you say, I need some of that. Then if you need some of that, I want you to stand with me right now. Because we're going to go ahead and receive that anointing. We're going to go ahead and receive from him what he's anointed to do for us. And by the way, just a little secret for you. This anointing is the same anointing that's on his body, the church. So that the very same things that he's brought to you, you don't just sit there and say, well, that's good for me, isn't it? No, no, no. It's not just good for you. It's good for the people that you reach and reach with the gospel and tell about the Lord Jesus. The good news that you tell others about Jesus is the same good news. Glory to God. So I want you to go ahead and make the statement with me. And I want you to not just throw words out of your mouth. I want you to believe it with, with all of your heart. And at a certain point, I'm going to go ahead and have you just talk to the Lord about what it is that you need. Because this anointing that Jesus was anointed with covers a whole lot of stuff. But every bit of it, it's available. Every, every bit of it is available to you today because he's not changed. So let's go ahead and press in on this together. Say this with me in Jesus' name. Come on, say it like you mean it. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. I, believe I believe that Jesus is anointed. That Jesus is anointed. The, Spirit the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, came upon him. And, anointed him and anointed him to make all these things available to us. And right now, from his anointing, I receive. And you go ahead and say right now, whatever it is you need to receive. If it's healing, you say healing. If you say, my crazy kids need to be saved. I need captivity broken in this. Whatever it is, you declare that right now. Say it. Say, this is what I'm believing for. The anointing is available to break this in my life, to free me from this in my life. Hallelujah. And do it in faith. And do it in confidence. Hallelujah. And if you, if you believe it, and you know that the anointing that's on Jesus is flowing into your life to deal with that thing right now, not another day. He didn't say sometime next week the scripture's fulfilled. He said today. And I say to you, today, today. Whether you see immediate change or not, whether you see uh, uh, everything's different or it all looks the same, but you say, today, today, I received the anointing. The anointing is working in this area in my life and breaking the bondage in my life. Hallelujah. You believe that? Give the Lord a shout today. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and do some singing as we go today. Hallelujah. And I want to don't, don't check out yet. Because there's something about this song. Hey, something about this song that's going to go ahead and be the, the, the cherry on top of what the Lord has accomplished in your life today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing anointing. Anointing. 